And welcome into week six of the water cooler. Brett Perkins and Andy Lawton here with you. We're going to talk everything you need to know about Auburn football, college football, the SEC. Got a lot of good stuff for you on the show this week. Not as good as Auburn's performance last week, though, against the University of Louisiana Monroe Warbirds, as referred to by commentator Herm Edwards. Uh, truly an impressive performance for the Tigers this past week. Finally, that blowout game that Auburn fans have been looking for for so long. Show up to the stadium, take care of business. It almost felt like A-Day, to be honest with you. You know, I never felt uh, even a tiny bit of emotional involvement in that game. In short, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was exactly what I, ex- I wanted to see. Uh, and we scored two touchdowns in four plays with less than a minute and a half on time of possession. Yeah. Uh, and it, that was just awesome. Uh, and, of course, you got to see a lot of young guys, which I love. I actually stayed till. Not the whole game, but you know, midway through the fourth quarter, watching just the young guys play, and I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, you get some great time in for the reserves. This is exactly uh, the kind of performance that you would expect out of a top ten team. Auburn, of course, ranked number eight in both major <laughs> polls now. Like you said, a lot of time to get the reserve players in. Uh, let's talk. We didn't learn a whole lot this week from the game, but we did learn a little bit more than I thought we would in a game like this, and let's start with the offense. Cam Newton, of course, another great game. The wrinkle here this week, painfully obvious that the coaches told Cam he was not allowed to run this week. The only running play, a sack for uh, 10 yards. Uh, other than that, I, I remember a specific play near the goal line. Auburn was on about the 5 uh, you could tell Cam really just wanted to run it into the end zone, but instead he kind of lofts one to the back of the end zone. I thought that was good, though. I thought Cam learned a lot this week, and uh, it was comforting to see that he could just get it done with his arm if he had to. Yeah, that was very impressive. I mean, granted, it was against ULM, but still, he was a pure pocket passer this past weekend. Um, like you said, they told him not to run. Uh, there's, I mean, you could tell he he was itching to run. Oh yeah, especially on the short short distance to goal line, and but you know he didn't get hit but once. So, yeah, that's what I you mean, want. No reason to get hit if you don't need it. So. Yeah, so uh, a positive development for Cam as he continues his growth, being mentioned uh, in most major Heisman Trophy candidate lists right now. Although, of course, he'll tell you that's not his his main focus, focused on the team goals, but. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the offense. Michael Dyer, uh, we didn't really see a whole lot of, out of him on Saturday. Kind of got a little bit of time to rest. I think that's probably for the best, uh, resting a, a younger guy that's taken on a lot of the load so far. McCaleb obviously looked very good, scoring uh, untouched on the second play of the game. But really the story of the running backs in this game is Mario Fannin. We finally saw a little bit of what he can do. Yeah, and it seems like his shoulder is definitely better. Um, there was a couple times it looked like he was about to fumble the ball because uh, I guess the defense knew to tackle that arm or go after that shoulder, but he stayed held resilient on. and held on. And, you know, uh, he almost put up 100 yards um, on maybe, what, eight carries? Yeah, it's pretty impressive, pretty explosive yeah. performance, it I, was, I would say. It looked like the Mario Fannin we should have been seeing so far this season. Yeah, and the talk with Mario Fannin this week has been uh, – a new shoulder brace that he's wearing. He talked to Dr. James Andrews, the orthopedist for the team, and uh, his shoulder is checked out 100% now. He's switched to a new brace. 
doesn't want to blame his earlier fumbles on that. Of course, you're not allowed to blame fumbles on injuries because that would uh, reduce your manhood. But uh, he, I, th- I think that the new brace has had some effect on that, and I think we saw a little bit of that last week. So yeah. hopefully uh, positive development there. Mario, uh, I think for this, this team to really be great, you, get, you need that three-pronged attack at running back. You're going to need all three of those guys, Fannin, McCaleb, and Dyer, to play well. So positive development there. Let's talk a little bit about the guy whose name nobody can pronounce. Lutzenkirchen, Lutzenkirchen, however you want to say it. Uh, Lutzer Kitchen, as some, some <laughs> of my friends like to say. He had a nice game. Uh, he's, his role in this offense just seems to continue to develop as the weeks go by. Yeah, he's definitely a surprise. Um, I'm glad he's finally getting involved in the offense because uh, he's making some good crossing routes. Um, I guess catches out in the flat. Uh, there's that one, I guess, 30-yard catch and run. You yeah. Know, then he attempt leaped over the DB, but I, am, you know, I guess uh, he doesn't have the ups that he <laughs> thinks he has. So, <laughs> I'm, but still, Lutz and Kirchen, very impressive so far, and uh, hopefully he keeps getting added to the game plan because uh, he brings a good element to the offense absolutely I think as you talked about earlier when Cam has to sit in the pocket and be a pocket passer it's so important to have a guy like Lutz out there who's kind of a a safety valve a short dump off route Um, Cam's not always going to be able to make the play with his legs that's kind of been his go-to move if things start breaking down but it's nice to have a second option in Lutz out there in the flat for the defenses to have to worry about so I think you can uh, keep your eye on Lutz as the season goes by here a lot of people have him tabbed as kind of a second-half breakout performer. Uh, we saw some backups playing on uh, on offense. Nothing too notable out of the backups other than uh, Barrett Trotter getting some time in the game. Uh, looked pretty decent in his time. We saw a little bit of his running, I guess, which yeah. most people wouldn't think of. Unfortunately, on that one run to the end zone, uh, Trotter took a nice little lick there. And uh, we're not really sure what his status is for this weekend. Have you seen anything about whether you think he'll be available? or? Uh, yeah, they haven't said. Um, it's all, I've heard that uh, a rumor, or say fr- straight from his dad, it's, some, it's an MCL injury, but uh, he, they didn't specify the severity of it. Yeah, and an MCL not as bad as an ACL. You yeah. don't have to have surgery normally for an MCL. Uh, still something they'd probably like to hold him out this week. And if everything goes well, I mean, it's not even an issue. You don't Trotter yeah. doesn't even need to see the field, but it's always nice to know that the backup is ready to go. You never know in football. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later about a team that lost both their starting quarterback and their backup quarterback for the season in the same game. So you never know. And you have to wonder, if Barrett Trotter can't go, who's the second option then? Is it Neil Cottle? Is it Clint Mosley? seems sort of like the coaches have been leaning toward Neil Cottle this week, and that sort of makes sense. He's got more experience, but... I don't know. Hopefully we won't have to find out this yeah. week. I mean, if we do find out, it'll be, you know, fourth quarter. And, uh, I, would, I wouldn't be sad if that happens. So. Yeah, well, I, I hope that's the situation that's, well, happens rather than... Uh, Cam getting hurt. Heaven forbid injuries. Yeah. But no reason to talk about any of that. We'll see how that shakes out. Let's talk a little bit about defense uh, from this past weekend. Defense, once again, plagued by the short underneath passing game, but I'm starting to think maybe that's not such a bad thing. Yeah, I think that's mainly just the scheme, especially in the beginning of the game, because uh, I mean, as the game goes on, with the underneath passes are getting taken away, 
um, for the most part. Um, so I guess it's just that soft coverage scheme, just trying to figure out what the team, the other team's going to do. Um, so I, I don't have any worries about that, but it is pretty annoying. Yeah, you know, as a fan, I mean it's annoying to see uh, see them picking up those short yardage, but I think that's a nice way to approach this for two reasons. <clears throat> First of all, Auburn has given up relatively few big plays this year. The longest run that an opponent has had has been 21 yards. Yeah. Contrast that with a year ago. I remember several times when Auburn was getting burnt on running plays. Uh, 30, 40 yard gains. I uh, think back to uh, Noel Devine in the West Virginia games. He burned us a couple times. That's not happening this year. Run defense, currently Auburn is second in the SEC. That's been a strength for this defense, and that starts on the defensive line. Uh, the pass defense, there's been a couple of long plays, but for the most part they've held other teams to their short passes. And when you're doing that, the other team is sort of having to dink and dunk their way down the field five yards at a time, and then you're kind of opening them up to make their own mistakes. They get a penalty, you create a turnover. Um, any of those scenarios can play out. You let a guy like Nick Fairley get into the backfield and get a sack, if you're making them go all the way down the field, the probability of one of those things happening is just that much higher. Rather than uh, one long play, scoring play, you don't get as many chances for those things to happen. So from that perspective, maybe this isn't such a bad thing. Um, yeah, that, that's a good way to look at it. Um, I know, uh, you know and the more the court, opposing quarterbacks you know, back there, the more times he's going to get hit. Yeah, that's So too. maybe that's the reason why Kyle Parker, he was hurting so much. Yeah. Uh, Garcia, even I guess ULM guy, he, he probably wasn't feeling too good. Yeah, either. he went out in the fourth quarter. They brought in the backup. I said, you know what, you've taken enough hits for today. Yeah. So, and uh, man, that, the defensive line just keeps bringing the hits. Fairly continuing to play very well. Uh, a lot of people mentioning him as the best defender in the SEC right now. Um, he's a guy not really came out of nowhere, but he's really turned on the Jets and gotten that consistency that had not really been there before. Yeah. Um, and, and even hit, he's uh, you know bringing on the double team from the offensive line, opening up holes for Clayton and Blanc, which uh, I guess a couple weeks ago Blanc he was SEC defensive lineman of the yep. week, so he's having a good senior season. So is Clayton. I know he like suplexed that was awesome the running back yeah. from ULM, which was awesome. You know down at the five yard line, picked him up and threw him on the ground. So definitely interior defensive line is a strength of this team, which also you know. Helps the running game out tremendously. I still would like to see a little bit more from the ends, you know, especially yeah. on pass passing downs. But I guess that's another thing with the dink and dunk passes. I guess they don't really get to show off their stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean they got to stay home a little bit to watch out for the screens and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, but they're still still playing very very good. Yeah, so the, no the complaints. Defensive line been a real strength for Auburn this year. Another nice thing to see this past week, Josh Bynes getting a little bit of time to rest, played virtually every snap in the games up to this, and his backup, Jake Holland, a Pelham boy from Brett's yeah, Neck of the Woods, play, right. played pretty well. Yeah, I was very impressed. I I expected Bynes to play a little bit more, but he maybe played, what, two or three two seri- series? Yeah, two think, series. Yeah. Holland played the rest of the game, and Gaston came in, you know, sparingly for Holland. But, uh... Looks like he was. Holland looked like he was directing, you know, everybody out there. Yeah. And from what I could tell, so he definitely uh is getting good experience for the SEC this year and uh for I guess later years 
in his career. Yeah, the, the depth was a big problem for Auburn last year. Starting to build things up a little bit. Some of the other backups that played and played pretty well. We saw D Ford <laughs> make some plays on the defensive line. Uh, Kenneth Carter on the defensive line. He's been playing a little bit in the regular rotation too. And then uh, Anthony Gully Morgan, uh, he made some nice hits, maybe pushing for some time in the cornerback rotation. Let's talk about uh, a cornerback that, in my opinion, might even be pushing for a starting spot this time, and that's uh, Sharvin Bell. We've seen, uh, especially Nico Thorpe, he just hasn't looked very good this year. He's given up some plays, given up some big passes, uh, just hasn't really looked too solid. And Nico's a guy that every year I've heard people kind of saying, oh, this is going to be his year. He's got a great talent. He's really going to break out. I just haven't seen it up to this point, and I think that uh, Sharvin Bell has really played well as a coverage cornerback. Uh, he made a couple of good tackles on those screen passes last week. Do you think it's possible that we might see him moving in to start for Nico at some point? Uh, it's very possible. Um, I think uh, still Nico has an experience factor on him, but uh, I don't know if it's Nico just underperforming or what's going on, but uh, I guess the one thing, the only knock on T-Bell is his uh, stopping the run. It's his may, He may not be as physical as right. other corners, but still, he's very impressive in coverage. So that'll definitely be an asset, say, when Arkansas comes to, comes to town. Yeah, yeah. maybe you consider uh, playing T-Bell a lot more in a game like that. Arkansas, not as much of a rushing threat. I don't know, yeah. that'll be something to pay attention to next week. We don't look too far ahead to Arkansas. Yeah. Hope the team's not doing that either. Uh, just a couple of notes on special teams. We said it here. West Byron would be just fine, and he <clears> played <throat> just fine in the, the game last week. Uh, the only punt for Auburn last week was a patented Chris Tide quick kick performed by Cam Newton this time. Not too great. There's nothing really to talk about there, but we didn't really learn much about the real punter situation this week since we didn't actually see uh, either Ryan Shoemaker or Stephen Clark get out there and make a punt. Although I did read somewhere that in the fourth quarter when uh, Auburn thought they might have to punt, Stephen Clark was the run, one warming up on the sidelines rather than Ryan Shoemaker. Uh, I don't know. It's something interesting to watch out for this week. We talked about it last week. Really, Shoemaker, he's not been getting it done. Yeah, I uh, maybe we might see Clark this week uh, against Kentucky, but also it's in a road game. So I don't know if we want to put the freshman first punt in college, right. you know, uh, on the on the road, you know, in that type of situation. So shoemaker may come in. I don't know. Not sure what to read about that, but I guess if it gets too far in the season, and why waste Stephen Clark if you got shoemaker, yeah, who is serviceable. It's good enough, and if the offense is good enough, the punter's not really a big deal. Yeah. So something to think about there. Um, just one more special teams note I'd like to make, too. I saw somebody write this on a message board. We saw uh, Cody Parkey performing a lot of the kickoffs in the second half, and uh, he'd performed the kickoffs in the first couple of games of the year. Weren't exactly too great. I guess the idea there is to save some of West Byron's leg, but um, Cody Parkey just really wasn't kicking it quite long enough, so uh, the coaches decided to go back with West Byram on the kickoffs, but you see the coaches are always thinking about what they can do to make their younger guys better. In the second half of this game, they decided to let Parkey take the kickoffs, get a little bit of experience in a non-pressure situation, 
And uh, from what I could see, they were actually pretty good. Most of them were uh, pretty close to the end zone, maybe even better than what West Byron was doing. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Just uh, an example of how these coaches are always thinking about what the next thing is they can do to make this team better. Let's talk a little bit about this weekend's upcoming game now. Um, another SEC matchup, Auburn traveling up to Lexington to play Kentucky. Kentucky's coach, Joker Phillips, pretty confident about this game. Uh, in an article I read online, uh, Joker saying, we know how to beat Auburn. We did it last year. Um, maybe a little bit of bulletin board material there. Maybe just a coach trying to get his players ready to go in this game, but Auburn really needs to have a strong showing in this game to prove that they're a top ten team. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I, I'm not sure how Joker, you know, comes to the. I guess, how, how does he think that last year's last year's team is the same as this year's team? Yeah, a little, little bit different for Auburn yeah, this year. Yeah, very very different. Obviously, no Cam Cam Newton last year. Depth was pretty much non-existent. Chris Todd noodle arm. Yeah, uh, that was probably one of the worst Auburn games that. You know, execution-wise, in the Gus Malzahn uh, era so far, um, so I'm hope, hopefully we'll see a very strong uh, coming out. You know, definitely to put a start over the hump, getting ready for, I guess, give us lots of momentum and confidence going into the rest of the season. Yeah, and this is one of those games where Auburn really needs to do more than just win. Uh, yeah, this can't just be another close, come from behind win like South Carolina and Clemson. This team needs to put on a strong showing, especially on the road, and show that they can beat, uh, frankly, an inferior Kentucky team. Kentucky uh, started the season out pretty strong, playing some weaker opponents. Got thrashed around down in Gainesville <laughs> last week. Lost to an Ole Miss team that maybe is starting to get a little bit better. Put some of those things together, but Kentucky is really not that great of a team. Uh, talent-wise compared to Auburn. And Auburn needs to show that this week to be, uh, in my opinion, a legitimate top-10 team. Uh, I don't think motivation is going to be a problem for Auburn, though. Most of these players remember the game from last year. They remember how awful that was. Uh, Cam Newton said this week that he didn't like watching the film from last year because it was, quote, disgusting. So uh, I I think these players are ready. (laughs) Yeah, I know he was saying Malzahn would skip plays, just he couldn't stand looking at them. So I think they realize that they have to play great up in Kentucky to not only just con- continue going through the season but help their confidence and uh, definitely show the, show the rest of the nation that Auburn's for real. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> a couple of matchups to look at. When you talk about Kentucky, two guys basically come to mind. First of all, Randall Cobb who Auburn fans remember very well from last year, running all over uh, Pat Dye Field. And then, of course, Derek Locke, uh, the running back. Kind of a a one-two punch there for Kentucky. Cobb, technically a wide receiver, but you'll see uh, a lot of what they call the wild Cobb, uh, which to me just sounds (laughs) like wild corn or something. I don't know. But uh, they'll put him in a quarterback. They'll basically do anything they can to try to get the ball in his hands because if there's one thing that... I think Auburn might have a little bit of trouble with it's going to be the shiftiness of Randall Cobb. Um, the ru- like we mentioned earlier, rushing defense for Auburn been pretty good this year, but Auburn hasn't really faced any of the shifty type backs yet. It's been more the power running type game of a guy like Marcus Lattimore. Uh, 
this will be real interesting for me to see just how this Auburn defense has improved against a shifty type of runner. Yeah, it'll be uh, lots of assignment football and uh, taking good angles, say for the cornerbacks and uh, linebackers especially. Um, Cobb, he's by far their best player, and they're going to use him. Um, one note, I guess rushing-wise, he hasn't touched the ball more than 15 times from, I guess, a handoff. But he has either caught it out of the backfield um, close to, like, what, 25 times? So I think they're mainly just getting him out in space and letting him do his thing. But uh, I'd like to see how Auburn D's uh, definitely responds to Cobb's play. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of what they try to do this week, put him out in the flats, throw him some screen passes, try to take Auburn's defensive line out of the equation and stopping him. So it's really going to be up to guys like Josh Bynes and uh, the linebacking core and the, the secondary to stop him. Josh Bynes had some uh, some – Choice words for some of his teammates this week. Uh, kind of disappointed with some of the tackling so far. People kind of lunging at uh, the opposing players. Josh Bynes' school of tackling basically equals hit them in the mouth as hard as you can. And uh, he said that a, a few times. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll see if the Auburn defense can do that. But I think you'll see the, the defense much more well-equipped to stop Cobb than they did last year, and uh, I think Locke may not be as much of a problem for the Auburn defense. Um, he's, he's kind of a shifty guy, too, but a little bit more of a power-running type guy. Auburn's been pretty successful against that type of back this year. Uh, Mike Hartline, playing quarterback for Kentucky this year, uh, he was injured last year when Kentucky came to Jordan-Hare Stadium. Morgan Newton, his backup, uh, took over in that game. But Hartline will be playing in this game. He's uh, it's difficult to kind of find an Auburn quarterback to compare him to. Not quite as good as Brandon Cox. Maybe not like a Chris Todd. I don't know. He's a serviceable guy, though. Yeah, he's, he can make some passes. Decent. He'll probably make a few mistakes, probably not too many mistakes. He's a game manager for them. Yeah. So not a whole lot to worry about, probably from the passing game there. And that's really kind of why this Kentucky team uh, is a good matchup for Auburn. They're going to try to run the ball. Auburn's been pretty good at stopping the run. Not that much of a passing threat. Uh, that's kind of been Auburn's uh, weakness. And, uh, frankly, Kentucky's defense has given up a lot of points over the past two weeks. They gave up a lot of points to Ole Miss. Uh, I think Cam Newton and company are going to have a pretty good day on Saturday. Yeah, I'm expecting that as well. Um, like I said, Florida, uh, their offense obviously is not that great this year. Um, as you've seen through all their games, except for the Kentucky game, I don't know if that was a fluke or what, but uh, yeah, the mobile shit or mobile quarterbacks like uh, Trey Burton uh, from Florida had a field day. Um, just Florida and also uh, I guess Mississippi they have Masoli, another mobile quarterback. Um, I guess they you saw they put up forty plus points. Um, so Cam Newton he's gonna have have a good day. Hopefully he won't have to get hit too too much because right, right. I definitely enjoyed. Not seeing him get get hit, um, so I think offense will be very good. Yeah, even if it's not Cam Newton running the ball, I, I think Mike Dyer, Ontario, Mario Fan. You see those yeah. guys getting some rushes this week. I, I just think Auburn has way too many offensive weapons for Kentucky's defense to uh, to stop. 
One thing I've been thinking about this week, I don't know if this is sort of going to be an X factor in this game or not. It's starting to be a little chilly outside. Early in the morning, walking to class in my shorts, I'm starting to think, eh, maybe I should have worn pants today. Up in Lexington, a little bit further north, going to be probably a little bit chilly there come game time. Uh, Auburn really hasn't played in a cold weather type situation this thus far this year. Do you think that's a factor in this game at all? Does that benefit Kentucky? I mean, they probably haven't played in a cold weather situation yet either. Yeah, I I don't think it'll have, have any uh, effect on the game. It's it's not that cold just yet. It probably feels good, you know, because you're not sweating so much, right, you know, right. while they're trying to play. They don't they don't get worn out as fast. So I think it'll be no no effect at all. All right, just something to think about yeah. as the season rolls along here. I don't, I don't really know. Uh, definitely no say going up to northern Michigan or oh, absolutely. Minnesota where it's probably already snowing now. But yeah. yeah. Well, uh, just something to think about. Hopefully uh, the colder weather doesn't slow down Cam Newton at all. So nah. we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I guess it's time for us to make a prediction here. Like I said, <clears throat> I don't think Auburn's going to have any trouble with Kentucky. I hope that's not arrogant of me to think that. But a uh, number of factors going in here. Auburn remembers last year, first of all. The talent level at Auburn has grown. The talent level at Kentucky has sort of fallen off since last year. The gap is a little bit wider. Uh, I don't know. What's your prediction in terms of score here? Um, I, I, I'm going to call Auburn a maybe two or three touchdown uh, over Kentucky. Um, I will, I will, I'll say Kentucky will probably come to play, especially in the first half, um, because, you know, they lost to Ole Miss last week. They, need, they have to have something to prove. So, well, I, it'll definitely be a good close game, probably first half. I, optimistically, i like to see Auburn just blow it out, you know. But Yeah. Hard to do that on the road, though. Yeah. But uh, I'll call, you know, two touchdown favorite. Yeah, I'd take maybe uh, two, three touchdowns, maybe a field goal somewhere, somewhere in there. Um, I, I hesitate to predict a huge offensive performance for Auburn just because we haven't really seen them blow out uh, an opponent on Kentucky's level at this point, you know, so I can't really say we're going to score like 50 points or anything, but probably somewhere in the 30s, low 40s, maybe Kentucky gets a couple of touchdowns, somewhere in there, but I'm not too worried about this game. I think Auburn's got it pretty well in hand, Uh, pick up a nice road victory, and believe it or not, after this game, half the season's over. Yeah. Six games. Can't believe it. Seems like we just started here on the water cooler. Uh, we'll be right back here after the break. Brett has found some pretty incredible, crazy news stories. Uh, he was telling me a couple of them. We've got some real winners today. Yeah. So you're going to want to stick it's around for that. We'll be right back here on the water cooler. Welcome back. As promised, we have crazy news stories for you here. Brett's got some doozies for you. Let's go ahead and uh, jump into this first one here. Um, I heard a little bit about this one. Coming out of Memphis, Tennessee. Go ahead and tell us what happened here. All right, so I guess, uh, yeah, coming from Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee, like I said, um, a teen was shot in the butt over sagging pants. Um, 
I mean, this oh, is it's a debate that's been raging yeah. ever since we were in middle school. I'm like they put in conduct codes about you have to tuck in your shirt. Yeah, and your we had pants to do have that. to like be above your belly button and all this crazy stuff. We had to wear belts. Yeah, belts. I'm oh no, I'm so I guess this is teens rebelling. I guess I don't know. I I don't I don't prefer saggy pants because then you know I can't ride my bike. You, know, you can't run away from people. Yeah, so I'm not. You get shot because you can't run away from people. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess it's a cool thing to do, but anyways, uh, this kid was shot in the butt because he got in an argument, or well, he and his friend got in an argument with this 45 year old man, um, and uh, for some reason this guy, the older man, pulled out his gun, threatened to pull, tell, uh, threaten the kids if they don't pull up their pants, he's gonna shoot them. Uh, so they ran, and he somehow shot one in the butt. That guy, he deserves one of those Budweiser Real American Heroes songs. Yeah. Mr. Shooting Saggy Pants Kids in the Butt Guy. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. I, I'm going to be that crotchety old man someday. Probably already am. He's actually not that old. He's yeah. only 45. Exactly. So he remembers a time when America was great. People wore their pants at the right height. And... Uh, that's just all there was to it. So, yeah. kudos to you, Mister uh, Taking One Back for Americans. Yeah. Well, anyways, he you know he went to jail and got charged and all that stuff, but totally worth it. I guess. Yeah. Hopefully. All right. Another one involves uh, a gun as well, but a fake gun. Uh, this guy over in uh, Fullerton, California, he uh, attempted to rob a Seven Eleven with a fake gun, and then uh. Anyways, right when he walked in the walked in the door, he said, uh, "Give me the money, or otherwise call the police." Um, that's just kind of retarded. That doesn't make any sense at no all. No sense at all. Anyways, this the, guy sounds like a winner. Yeah, I'm pretty definitely not the smartest guy. He probably had saggy pants, possibly. And uh, so you know, the clerk obviously already triggered the silent alarm. Um, and then there's another clerk over by the sandwich and Slurpee area. Uh, you know, cleaning up. Those two things go together. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, the the other clerk, not behind the cash register, told the guy to calm down, relax, and have something to drink. And uh, so the gunman went to the refrigerator, took an Arizona iced tea, and drank it while the police arrived. So. So the police arrived and just like arrested this guy. Yeah. Or? So he, he sat there waiting to be arrested while drinking his tea. What an idiot. Um, I, wow. So this guy got arrested, but there was no uh, weapons charge this time since it was fake. Wow. Yeah, so. Hey, he got a good iced wow. tea for free, though, so technically he stole that, I guess. Um, I guess. You so know, that's he got something out of it. Good little dollar fifty. Yeah. You know. Um. Anyways, here's another one. It's not exactly a crazy story or anything, but I'm sure uh, everybody who eats chips, um, I like sun chips. Um, they're kind of a popular thing right now, you know, with the biodegradable bags, and, you know, they taste really good. Uh, anyways, Frito-Lay is going to pull those bags because of so many complaints about them being so loud. Thank goodness. I know, uh, I've heard, you know, Nick... Make taking midnight snacks. Oh yeah, you can hear it for like a square mile. Yeah, and as long as he's not eating those uh, noisy bag chips, I don't wake up. Yeah. So, um, 
I'm glad they're taking those off. I know I'm not exactly an environmentalist or whatever. That's uh, why I like Doritos. Not food expert coming in here. When yeah. When you're uh, when you're hungry and it's late, you don't need no loud bags. No. Yeah. No. No, sir. Doritos quiet bags. I actually think Doritos is looking into coming up with a bag that is specifically quiet so that in the middle of the night you don't wake up your significant other. Yeah. So I mean, it's called the no shame bag. That uh, that claim has absolutely no credibility. <laughs> well, I mean, I know Emily, my girlfriend, really likes those uh, noisy bags because she thinks it's real fun whenever she's eating chips around you or anybody else to just make a lot of noise while she's eating them. So I'm very excited about this development that these things are going to be gone. Cause well, actually, I think one flavor is still going to be produced in the noisy bag. Ah, yeah, food expert. Regular. He knows. I, I read this story last week. Dude. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I'm thinking, All right. it was, it was my yeah, it's, it's just the the favorites or whatever are taking away the noisy bag. But yeah. the ones that aren't so good or yeah. less bought, they'll still be noisy. I, I say get rid of yeah. them all. I hate those I, things. I think they were keeping one you know, just for the tree huggers yeah. you know, so that they, they're still environmentally safe while they explore new opportunities for uh, quiet and biodegradable. Yeah, so, wow. not sure what's going to happen with all this, but... Kudos to you, Sunships, yeah. for getting rid of that annoyance in my life. Uh, Alright, uh, I've been waiting a long time for this next story. I'm pretty right. excited about this. This one's pretty awesome. I was dying laughing when uh, I was reading it. What the? Um, as Nick's reading it right now, he's starting to laugh. <laughs> um, Alright, so... This woman is trying to do a little citizen's arrest or patrolling. Um, anyways, she was walking her dog. Uh, this is in Massachusetts, by the way. Um, so she's walking her dog um, and said a motorist, motorist almost hits a guy on a bike. Um, not sure if that's completely true, but whatever. Anyways, the woman uh, who is not to be, who has not been named tossed her dog crap at the driver. Yes. And hit him in the face. How many times have you wanted to do that? Just throw a big hunk of crap at somebody. Yeah. Oh, man, like a monkey. That's great. <laughs> so the woman actually contacted the police about, uh, the, I guess, the reckless driving. And then the next day, the, the guy that got hit in the face contacted the police about having face or having feces Face feces. Yeah, face feces. Yeah. And pause here for a second. Just read the title of this article. Oh. To the, this is hysterical. All right, title. If he does it again, she will turd the other cheek. <laughs> will she turd the other cheek? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. Hilarious. So, don't want to be hit in the face with feces. Wow. That, mm. Just watch where you're driving. Yeah, I know. That's one way to avoid getting hit with doo-doo. So, this, this lady is definitely a... She's she's kind of high strung, you know. You know what I like I about know. this show? This isn't the first time we've talked about throwing feces. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had monkeys in the past. I mean, this, right. this is kind of, of a regular regular thing this, now. See, this is proof that humans came from primates. It's yeah. uh, it's an instinctual uh, thing <laughs> when uh when you're uh, being threatened to throw feces. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen primates you do, do it many times. Women and and. Where's that? Massachusetts to do it? I got an aunt who lives in Massachusetts. I'm surprised that didn't happen in Mississippi. That's a Mississippi story in my yeah. mind. Kind of, kind of thrown off by that. I'm. She's kind of like Gomer Powell. Hey, citizens arrest. Yeah, citizens thought, arrest. I thought St. Louis right. was the most dangerous oh. city in the nation. Belmont, Massachusetts. That's right. Most dangerous. Hurts everywhere. Watch out. Uh, 
I do have one more story. This is kind of a from memory story. I shared this to Nick the other night. Our good friend Nick Saban, uh, in, a, in a news conference the other day, if you remember uh, toward the beginning of the season, I guess it was SEC media days, actually, all the uh, agent stuff was going on. Nick Saban uh, said that agents were basically the same as pimps. You know, the guys who are in charge of the prostitutes. Um, that's what he said. That's a direct quote. And this week, uh, things have sort of been getting a little bit close to home, I guess. John Blake, the coach, or former coach, I should say, uh, at North Carolina. I don't know what coach he was there. He was uh, fired, basically, recently for uh, some dealings with some agents. Pretty shady stuff. And now it's uh, become known just this past week that Marcel Darius, one of Auburn's, or not Auburn's, uh, Alabama's defensive lineman, probably their best defensive lineman, yeah. uh, he's been linked to this guy, John Blake, linked to agents, linked to a lot of shady stuff. So, of course, uh, the reporters, it's their job to ask about these things. So in the press conference, they ask Saban about that. And they ask, uh, you know, you said that the agents were like pimps. Is John Blake a pimp? And, uh, of course, predictably, Nick Saban was like, ah, you know, I don't want to talk about that. Let's let's talk about the game. Let's talk about all this. Um, so they keep asking, of course, because it's the reporter's job to ask a couple of times. <laughs> um, and eventually, you know, Saban keeps repeating that he just wants to talk about South Carolina, just wants to talk about the game. And uh, finally, somebody asks another question about the agent, and Nick Saban says, uh, that doesn't sound like South Carolina. Did I stutter? Did I stutter? I mean, maybe I should go back to uh, West Virginia and uh, learn a little bit more of a drawl and some slang so that you guys can understand me. That's basically a direct quote. <laughs> uh, you can look at that article. Um, just another line of classy quotes from Nick Saban, making fun of people with speech impediments, making fun of people from his home state of West Virginia, uh, refusing to address reality. This is uh, kind of like that time when uh, Alabama lost to Louisiana Monroe, that team we pounded last week, and Nick Saban compared it to Pearl Harbor. That was a memorable moment. Uh, <laughs> and I just ask, like, how does this guy keep getting away with stuff like that? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I wish somebody would just come up there and just smack him across the face. I know. I don't know. I, I can't stand them. Um, obviously, Bammers love them. But, you know, all they care is about winning. He's a winner. I mean, he does win, but at what cost? That's that's the question you always have to ask yourself. Uh, just thought, just wanted to bring that up. I thought that was an interesting story when I saw that. You contrast, uh, and, and I'm trying to not be too biased here. I know it, it probably comes across that way. But you contrast the way Nick Saban handles a situation like this with the way Gene Chizik would handle a situation like this. First of all, he would have never said something like agents or pimps. Chizik never says anything of value, for better or worse. But <laughs> if uh, reporters kept asking him a question about something he doesn't want to talk about, rather than saying something straight out of a Pulp Fiction movie, did I stutter? You know, Samuel L. Jackson line there. <laughs> Gene would say, you know what, I really don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about the game. And he would say that as many times as he had to. And, yeah. uh, I mean, those those are the facts. That's how the different coaches would react to that. You can take from that what you will, but uh, just wanted to bring that up, make everybody aware of what had happened there in our global crusade against Nick Saban. So. Yeah, well, 
Sounds good. Said, said my piece there. Uh, with that in mind, we'll get back to a little bit of objectivity here. We got uh, some great SEC games, as usual, to talk about this week. We'll be right back here on the water cooler to tell you everything you need to know about those games this weekend. the water cooler that of course one of my favorite songs Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus daughter of uh, achy breaky heart originator Billy Ray just a great tune I like it because it tells you the dance moves you're supposed to do so for a, <laughs> uh, a white guy like me helps you seem cooler yeah. it's actually kind of catchy yeah you know, it's nice they I mean, play the football game sometimes and yeah we put our hands up everybody dances to it nod our heads like yeah yeah, yeah you gotta you gotta do that Anyways, let's get into some of the SEC action for this week. As usual, a great slate of games to talk about here. Uh, we'll talk about Alabama's game here in a minute, but I think possibly uh, the most intriguing game of the weekend is uh, the Tennessee Volunteers traveling to Athens this week to play the reeling Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, wow. Um, let me just just have to say... The last last Tennessee's last game against LSU, that was probably the most wild ending of a game that I've seen in a while. But of course, pretty much all wild ending games I can think of involve LSU in some fashion. They do because Les Miles is pretty retarded. He's an idiot at clock management. Um, like, yes, obviously this year with Tennessee, um, if Tennessee didn't have twelve men on the field, Tennessee would have won. Um, Plus less miles. There's like 30 seconds on the clock, and it took him 30, like 28 seconds to snap the ball. I'm not, I'm not sure what how that works. Also, as you remember, I guess last year against Ole Miss, something exactly the same way. Um, and then maybe two years ago, the the last second bomb to Demetrius Bird. <sighs> I mean, how does that work? Um, against that was game was against Auburn, as if you can't tell in our. I guess the sound of our voice and our disgust. Yeah. So Les Miles is retarded. Hopefully he'll get fired this year, but you know, I don't know. And he's probably by far the one of the luckiest coaches I've ever seen. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's he's been vilified in in yeah. the media this week, and we'll have a chance to talk about his game here in yeah. a minute. But so yeah, back to Tennessee and Georgia. Um, Tennessee, they're they're actually looking a lot better than I thought they would, uh, and with all the stuff Kiffin put them in, 
I definitely had them very low expectations. Um, UGA definitely not playing to what I thought they would. Um, even though I didn't think they'd be that great, but they were just terrible. They lost to Colorado this weekend or this past weekend. Colorado, Colorado not being that good either. Um, very ugly game. Um, but still, I'm Tennessee. Decent offense, decent defense for what they have. Georgia, not so much. Yeah, I mean Colorado stormed the field <laughs> yeah. for beating what was then a one in three Georgia team as they need a little lesson in field storming there, but like you said, Georgia just not getting it done for one reason or another. Georgia has way more talent than Tennessee does right now. Yeah. Way more depth than Tennessee does. But I don't know if it's because of Mark Richt, because of the players. They just don't look like they believe in what's uh what Mark Richt is selling or anything. I mean, they just don't look like they have it put together, making a lot of mistakes. I mean, it's eerily similar to kind of how things were going in the 2008 season for Auburn with Tommy Tuberville. Once that dissension creeps in, Mm -hmm. uh, it's really hard to get yourself back on track mentally. And uh, Tennessee, like you said, they've been more impressive than I thought they would be. I think uh, you may see them sort of like Auburn last year having some trouble in the second half of the season when you start to see their depth wearing kind of thin when those guys have been playing a lot of snaps. But uh, I don't know. I, I like Tennessee in this game. Uh, Georgia is really not performing well right now. Um, and, you know, thinking back to 2008 for us, you know, we kept – in our minds, kept picking Auburn, saying, "You know, they're going to get it back on track, going to get back back on track." But they never did. Yeah. And I, you know, I start to wonder if Georgia's in the same situation here. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, because um, obviously the loss Colorado was very bad, and then put on even the loss to Tennessee this weekend, one of Georgia's main rival rivalries. Uh, that that's almost kind of slowly putting nails in the coffin for Mark Rick. Yeah. It seems like. Um, they're still on a downward spiral. Um, I think the loss to UT will just make it even steeper. Well, um, you have to wonder how Tennessee's going to respond in this game, too, after that, thinking they'd won the game last yeah. week. I mean, you victory over a big opponent is so close you can taste it. Uh, you know they're angry about that, and they're going to want to come out and get the victory in this game. Yeah, uh, and to me, I think Tennessee won the game against LSU, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, but oh, lost my train of thought. Well, it's just like less yeah. miles, right? Yeah, <laughs> had a less miles moment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like you said, Tennessee they have something to prove. I think they'll come out on the road. Obviously, that game gave gave them confidence to be able to go into Baton Rouge and pretty much handle LSU. Yeah, I mean they didn't have any trouble being the visiting team there. I don't see why they will this week. Yeah, and obviously, well, no, UGA. Not as good as LSU this year. No. And LSU's pretty bad as well. You know, so this will be a very sloppy game. I'm seeing a low score. You know, both teams under under the 20s. Maybe a touchdown difference at most. Yeah. I think the ride for Mark Richt and company is just going to get rougher. I mean, at this point, you start asking yourself, if Georgia keeps losing games, how long before Mark Richt or somebody, Mike Bobo, their offensive coordinator, how long before somebody gets fired? I mean, is it after yeah. this weekend? Do they wait till the end of the season? You know, like, who knows? I don't know. They still play Vandy. 
Yeah, I at mean, some point, and Kentucky. You, you would think with a guy like Mark Rick, you don't fire him during the season. No, you know, he's kind of earned it at this point to be able to at least make it to the end. But things getting ugly up in Athens. We can only hope that they continue that way and until Georgia makes the trip down here to play. Since Auburn has lost four straight to Georgia, that's a streak they would like to turn around this year. Um, let's go on and talk about the Alabama game here. We both predicted Florida for the upset last week. We were both seriously wrong about Florida. Yeah. Uh, defense not as good as advertised for Florida. Still pretty good, but not as good as we thought. Offense still needs a lot of work. Turns out Trey Burton not enough to get it done for Florida. Alabama, on the other hand, as much as I hate to admit, they look very, very solid. Yeah. Both sides of the ball. Uh, it's really hard to find a lot of weaknesses for them right now. Yeah, I know they're very... I think they're the the best thing they're the the thing they're best at is taking advantage of the other team's mistakes. Uh, yeah. They're a very good team, obviously. They're ranked number one. They won the national championship last year. Um, but still they have a good defense. Secondary still pretty inexperienced. Offense very good with uh in Ingram and Richardson. McElroy, he's a manageable quarterback, you know. It's good enough. Definitely. I mean, he had 80 yards of passing, but that was all they needed. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing is they just um, take over when the other team makes mistakes. Yeah. And if you can play mistake-free football, you have a great chance of beating them. Just tough to do that, yeah. though. And, very, very uh, tough. Especially tough for a USC team with Steven Garcia, quarterback, still a little bit shaken up. You know... Spurrier's going to want to throw Connor Shaw into the mix like he did against us. Uh, USC just really doesn't match up very well on offense for this game. Obviously, they're going to try to pound the ball with Marcus Lattimore, but Alabama's rushing defense is going to stop that, just like we did. And uh, You mentioned the inexperience in the secondary of Alabama, but after watching that game last week, they may be inexperienced, but those guys are definitely talented. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Milliner and... uh, Who's the other cornerback on the other side? Is it Kirkpatrick? Uh, yeah, Drake Kirkpatrick. I mean, those guys may be young, but they are very skilled, and uh, I, I think that's another thing that weakness that may not actually be there for Alabama like people thought it was. Uh, obviously, um, Alabama on offense is going to be able to impose their will on South Carolina's defense with the run game. Auburn had a lot of success rushing against South Carolina. I don't see why it would be any different for Alabama. Really, the only X factor in this game, people sort of think maybe Alabama gets caught napping in this game, <clears throat> this game after playing tough ones at Arkansas and then uh, at home against Florida, but I don't see that happening here. Uh, I guess you can, you can kind of call it a trap game, but it is on the road. And uh, South Carolina, they've had a, a week off to prepare for Alabama, which, who knows if that's actually helpful. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, say what you will about Nick Saban. I sort of made my feelings known about him earlier, but it never looks like his teams are unprepared to play. Yeah. They're always ready. Uh, I, I find it hard to believe that they're going to get caught up in a trap game here. I don't know. It's going to be hard for me to pick against Alabama for the rest of the season. I mean, this is this is pretty much the only game that they have a chance to lose. Yeah, I know? mean, maybe you think LSU somehow, but yeah. uh, I'm I mean, not Tennessee, seeing that. Yeah, I and mean, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I just don't see any of them, you know, sneaking up on Alabama. Yeah, knocking well, them off. And 
the the question is, uh, or I guess the philosophy you have to undertake then is, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. So it looks like uh, it's going to be Auburn's job. Yep. To knock off Alabama this year because none of the other teams look like they're up to the task at this point, but. I guess uh, you and I, we're not going to make the same mistake we did last week, and I'm picking Alabama in this game. I assume you probably are, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Alabama, just because of uh, how they match up with uh, South Carolina. Um, one thing I would like to see is South Carolina's wide receivers against the DBs. Yeah, Alshon Jeffrey, he's a different yeah, he's he's very good. I'd put, I'd put him in the category of A.J. Green, Darvin Adams, I guess he, even Julio Jones. So, he's... One top four in the SEC. Yeah, but as much as Auburn fans hate to admit it, Alabama very strong team this year. But you never know. Yeah. Every week's different. People have bad games. Every team is going to have at least one bad game in a season. Maybe Arkansas was Alabama's bad game. We won't know until later. But we'll see. Uh, see how that goes. Speaking of Arkansas, they're taking a trip to College Station, Texas, this week to play Texas A&M. Actually, I think they're playing in the Dallas Cowboys. Stadium. Oh, they are. Okay, yeah, they're going to Arlington or so wherever it is. Playing now. a neutral site game yeah. there in that new huge stadium. Um, at first, you know, my thinking kind of was Arkansas pretty easily takes this one. Texas A&M didn't look too great against Oklahoma State in the one game where I watched them. But I, I don't know. I mean, this game's probably going to be a shootout. You have Ryan Mallett on one hand. A pocket passer who's going to eat apart Texas A&M's secondary. But let's not forget about the guy on the other side, Gerard Johnson, quarterback for Texas A&M. Gifted as well, a little bit of a different style than Ryan Mallett. He's more of a, a running-type quarterback. He can pass the ball some, too, although against Oklahoma State, I think he had like four interceptions. So yeah. maybe, uh, maybe the accuracy might be a little bit of an issue there. But... Uh, I don't know. I think this could be a pretty high-scoring game. I'm probably going to take an SEC defense over A&M's defense. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Arkansas as well, just because yeah, their defense isn't as good or is, is better than Texas A&M's. This will definitely be a, a score fest, um, but uh, it'll definitely be exciting to watch. Yeah, uh, both teams they've had extra time to pre- prepare for this. Last week Arkansas was off. Texas A&M they had a Thursday night game. So, you know, extra time. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, you have to worry, or you wonder if Arkansas maybe starts looking ahead to Auburn next week. I don't know. Pro- probably not. I mean, that's if uh, if Arkansas wins this game and Auburn wins the game this weekend, I mean, that's going to be a huge matchup Definitely. next weekend. Uh, potentially two top ten teams, depending on uh, where Arkansas slots in. They're number 11 right now. Maybe you see game day coming back here next week. Who knows what might end up happening there. But uh, one thing I'm interested in looking at in this game is how does Arkansas's defense respond to a, uh, a big rushing quarterback? Because Gerard Johnson, a bigger guy, uh, I don't want to compare him too closely to Cam Newton, but sort of the same style. And this is kind of a preview, I guess. You look and see how Arkansas's defense responds to that. Um, maybe we can learn a little bit about how Arkansas might play us next week. Yeah, I think this is a very very good game to, I guess, look for a game tape for Auburn. Um, like you said, Gerard Johnson. He's very similar to Cam Newton. Maybe a little more shifty. Definitely not as big or powerful. 
Um, but he's, I, I see similar similarities. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll see how Arkansas fares with that. Like I said, I, I think I'm going to take Arkansas's defense over AM, so in a shootout like this, I'm going to take Arkansas in this game. Are you yep. doing the same? Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, we'll, we'll see the SEC take that one there. Next big matchup on the slate. Eastern Michigan traveling all the way to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. I say Vandy gets a win here. Yeah, uh, win for Vandy. And uh, help them from their slide. Although let's not forget, Vandy did beat Ole Miss this year. Nobody's yeah. gonna forget about that one. And I'll probably be Georgia. And, well, Possibly. I don't know about that. We'll see how that yeah, goes. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but uh, all right, next game, uh, LSU, Les Miles taking his traveling circus to Gainesville this week to play Florida. Uh, a tale of two mental states here in this game. <laughs> LSU obviously trying to figure out what the hell happened last week. Florida, eh, they pretty much know what happened. They got hit in the mouth. Maybe their pride's a little bit hurt at this point. But you have to think Florida's probably a little bit angry, and they would love to take it out on Les Miles' team. Yeah, I, I see exactly that happening. Um, I will say LSU's defense is probably one of the better ones in the SEC, like they usually are. Um, I'd like to see how Florida's offense matches up with them. Um, also, LSU special teams with uh, Patrick Peterson. Oh, yeah. One of the uh, – probably the best returner in the nation right now. Um, and if, if they can score points off defense and uh, special teams, I can see LSU winning this game. Um, but I still, I still think Florida, they'll, they'll come out hungry. Uh, they'll take LSU to the house. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the thing is, LSU's offense has looked awful yeah. this far. Uh, Jordan Jefferson can't get it done. Jared Lee's coming. He's been sort of effective, but not effective enough. And uh, Florida's defense, not as good as we thought, but I think they're still probably the best uh, defense that LSU has faced so far this year. Um and I think LSU's offense is really going to struggle yeah. against that Florida defense. Especially, yeah. Especially in Gainesville. Yeah, I mean, that, that's going to be tough. And, and even with the great defense that LSU has, if the offense can't stay on the field for LSU and the, the defense for LSU plays a bunch of snaps, you start to lose your effectiveness eventually. I think Florida can get some points through that. Uh, I, I really think this is where the downward spiral begins for LSU. No yeah. questions asked. Yeah, I, I could I could see that. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't hurt them too much to where they somehow put on a great game against us when they yeah. come here. So we'll see. We see. You never know how that's gonna shake out. You can only look at this week, and I think uh, Florida gonna take care of some revenge business down in Gainesville. Yeah. Uh, and one final game on the SEC slate here: Mississippi State traveling to play the Houston Cougars. Uh, Houston played in Mississippi State's place last year. Did Mississippi State win that game last year? Um, Honestly, I, I can't I remember. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Houston, of course, most people know them for Case Keenum. They're a quarterback who put up some ridiculously gaudy numbers. Uh, Houston having some problems, though. Houston, we have a problem, I guess you could say. Uh, Case Keenum out for the season. Case Keenum is back up out for the season. Wow. Uh, they were basically, Keenum was the offense for them. Yeah. I think they're in a little bit of trouble. Uh, I'd say so. Um, this will be a, probably a cakewalk for Mississippi State as they can probably just power over Houston. And, uh, MSU's defense, they won't have any trouble stopping Houston's offense. 
Especially with Keenum not there. Yeah, I mean, if Keenum's in this game, it's a different story. But uh, without him and without his backup, they're going to start. They're looking at two true freshmen to start this game for Houston. Uh, I'm with you. Even on the road, I think Mississippi State just kind of runs over them. Without having to stop Keenum, defense shouldn't have any trouble. I think Mississippi State wins that one pretty easily. Yeah. Um, that's all we got for the SEC games here. We'll be right back with your favorite segment, the Mullet Minute. Nick's got a great one prepared for us this week. So you definitely want to stick around for that. We'll be right back on the water cooler. Oh, I'd love to be an Oscar into the water cooler. That song was there for a reason. Nick will explain in a minute. Nick Cox here for this week's Mullet Minute. You got I, a good one today, right? I decided to take a trip to our, our new restaurant um, near campus. Uh, next to our apartment, there's this, this house, and uh, they've been working on it for about four years, it seems. Um, and they, being the, the Mexicans that sit outside in the lawn and whistle at all the college girls walking by. And some of the college guys, too. Anyway, <laughs> about a couple of months ago, they put up a sign saying, coming soon, House of Weenie. They, uh, well, it was originally House of Wieners. House of Wieners. Well, I'm not yeah. really sure. I've gotten two promotional coupons. One said House of Weenie, and other said House of Wieners. Yeah. Um, I think it just depends on the day, whether or not it's plural. Well, it depends how many wieners they have there. If it's just one, it's House right. of Weenie. I mean, maybe they're riding low one day, it's just yeah. House of Weenie. But uh, it's a hot dog shop, okay? They... They serve, get this, they serve Snow Biz, Krispy Kreme Donuts, and hot dogs. They have ice cream too, right? I think they have some ice cream. I, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow is, is right. Collecting mix there. Oh, yeah. I've, Your I've four major food a, groups. I've talked to a couple of classmates and some friends around campus, and the general consensus is it looks sketchy. I could have told you that. I'm looking at it. It's sketchy. I'm sorry. It just looks sketchy. Uh there's never anybody outside on the porch where there's like an eating area. Um, they've actually they've been open for two weeks now. They finally opened, and they put up a, a now open sign. They put up a neon open sign. They put up signs on the street to say now open. And uh, and every time I walk by, I think they're putting up another now open sign. And uh, I don't think their problem is that people don't know that they're open. I yeah. think the problem is that the signs say now open House of Weenie. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's really the <laughs> construction is kind of stupid too. Like. They closed it off, so you can't even see inside of it at all. Like, yeah, normally you don't know what to expect. You know, at a restaurant, there's like windows, and you can right. sort of see inside. You can't do that there's, here. There's three restaurants right next to the House of Weenie. Arby's, totally windowed yeah. you know, on, on, on half of the building, so yep. you can see in. Uh, Chick-fil-A, windows, three-quarters of the building. Yep. Yeah, the kitchen's in the back. You don't want to window that. Nope. Nope. All right. Uh, what's the other one? Subway. 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 Right. Windows. windows. Right. House of Weenie? No windows. No windows. That's because you go in there and you get raped. See. We don't know that. We know that. Actually, Nick knows that because this past weekend, I decided to be adventurous and go to the House of Weenie. Um, it was lunchtime. 
I was hungry and I was like, panic. Let's get a hot dog. Uh, <laughs> when I walked inside, my, my first inclination was actually not that sketchy. I mean, it smelled like a clean place, it looked clean. There was like paint on the walls and everything. Uh, and there was a middle aged white man behind the counter, which immediately you're thinking, I feel comfortable. <laughs> nice. Um, anyway, I, I, I placed my order. I got a Big Nathan special. Which oh, uh, they, have, they have two types of hot dogs. The Big Nathan is the bigger, better quality meat. Which, if you know me, I go for the bigger, better quality meat. And, uh, and, and they, have, they have a cold bar as well. And you can put all kinds of toppings. I was impressed. They had like seven kinds of mustard. Um, Who needs I that? I put Chipotle mayo on my, my Big Nathan. Oh, man. <laughs> and uh, I put some relish on there, too. But, I mean, I don't know how long the relish... Actually, I know the relish has probably only been there for two weeks since they've only been open that long. Yeah, you know that, at least. Uh, two weeks from now, that relish will probably be about four weeks old. Uh, just the impression I got. I will say their cash register is a box they keep underneath the counter. Um, <laughs> wow. Don't don't go rob them. That's not why I'm telling you that. I'm telling you that because when you place an order, it's kind of weird. They have to pull out a box and like open it up, and then like it just seemed like a lot of extra work. Yeah. Um, so basically, verdict still sketchy. Well, I left thinking, you know, the hot dog was actually good. Okay, hot dog tasted good. It's like a hot dog, but it's a hot dog. Um, but I left thinking, not as sketchy as I thought it would be. Well, I decided that I would go back on Monday. It was, uh, I was running short on time. No, it was Tuesday. I went back on Tuesday. I was running short of time. I was like, hot dog's not bad. You're already getting repeat business. It's, it's, I live like half a block from the building where I have all my classes in between House of Weenie. So I'm like, it's on the way, right? Yeah. So, and, uh, oh yeah, also, <laughs> their, their specials are five fifty, uh, includes tax, and I think that just means they don't pay tax. <laughs> uh, I, I, mean, I don't know for sure, don't hold me uh, accountable for that statement, but I'm pretty sure there's not paying tax. So five fifty for a hot dog, chips, and a drink. I'm like, on the way, it's cheap, tastes good. Went inside, had the balls this time to ask this guy if he was the owner. It turns out he's not. So, I, I met the owner. He walked in right behind me. His name is Miguel. He's a, he's a big old Mexican, and uh, he looked like he had a permanent hangover. And, uh, and he asked me if I'd try any of the Dunkin' Donuts yet, and I informed him that he was selling Krispy Kreme and not Dunkin' Donuts. And he's like, I guess we need a Krispy Kreme sign right here, don't we? Like, nah, Wait, he actually asked you if you tried any of the Dunkin' Donuts? Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> he got it wrong? What? Yeah. He didn't know what he was he selling? He literally said Dunkin' Donuts, and he was like, I mean, Krispy Kreme Donuts. I oh guess we need, I need, a, we need a Krispy Kreme sign right here. And uh, I didn't tell him this, but I'm immediately thinking, no, I think you have enough signs. Because uh, there's signs everywhere within the House of Weenie. Yeah, we were talking about this yesterday. I would love to be their printer because they must be making like a gazillion dollars off of House of Weenie right now. Because they literally, like every day, there's a new sign. There <laughs> and between Saturday and Tuesday when I went, the sign on the wall inside the House of Weenie had changed. Yeah. That, uh, I think it includes like banana floats now, that kind of stuff. I just don't know about this place. I, I don't think anybody's going to go there because it looks sketchy. And people are going to go somewhere that looks sketchy. Yeah. I just don't see this place surviving. I actually no, had a, not a, a girl in, in one of our classes ask me, uh, Sydney Brogdon, she asked me uh, if I had been to that sketchy place near my apartment. I was like, what sketchy place? Just wanted to see what she said. And she said, House of Wiener. Yeah, sketchy place. Yeah. Um, I, I still think you're the only person in Auburn that's gone there because I haven't talked to anybody else that's been. There were I two been. other people there the first time I went. Second time, there's nobody else there. They were probably paid to be there, so it looked like people were shopping there. 
And, uh, I don't know. I, you haven't died yet, which is impressive to me. But yeah, I'm still going strong. I, uh, I don't know. I just don't trust a place called House of Weenie. I just can't. Can't trust it. I kind of want to try oh. it, just to see what it's like. Yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, the grown-up in my class brought up the fact that they're serving snow biz, and I was like, yeah, what's wrong with that? She's like, the other snow biz in Auburn, it's, yeah. uh, it's now College Street, has actually closed for the winter. It's starting to get cold outside. Oh, Snow biz. Yeah, probably not some people want right now. Yeah, that hadn't occurred to me. So I don't, I don't know if they're. Uh, I mean, the snow biz thing might work for them, though. A lot of girls like snow biz. And, uh, you know, personally for me, if the girlfriend comes over, she wants some snow biz, that's awesome. We can walk there now. She probably won't go in, but though. It's Girls are cold all year round, so I mean, I mean, they carry jackets everywhere. That's true. It's true. So maybe they won't care. I don't know. Just such an eclectic mix of products. Uh, the fact that. The construction of the place is a little weird. The name. This, they got a lot of stuff working against them right now. I would say so. They really need help. And that's why we have officially decided that we are the new House of Weenie International Consulting Team. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what does this entail? It's like, I, I don't know. That took a whole lot more work than we could put in at this point to save that place. That's uh, that's one of three conversations you're going to have with me. Yeah. You're a House of Weenie consultant. Yeah, well, you know. Anyways, Nick losing his House of Weenie virginity there. Uh, <laughs> I guess it was worth it. had me a big Nathan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyways, that's been this week's Mall of Minutes. We'll be right back here on the water cooler. we got to go through some of the Pick 10 games. Once again, Brett and I did absolutely terrible. But uh, we'll try to do better this week. We'll be right back with this week's Pick 10. Stay classy. Welcome back to the final segment of the water cooler. Got a little bit of pick ten action to talk about here. Uh, of course, that song, the intro there, "All I Do Is Win." That is not what we did last week. Uh, I went three and seven on my picks. Brett, the big winner at four and six. Pretty terrible. Uh, our prognostications last week very uh, leaving a lot to be desired. Let's put it that way. But we're gonna try again this week. See if we can do a little bit better. At least I finally uh, picked right against NC State. That made me feel good. Yeah. I got that one at least. Yeah. But some of the other ones uh, a little suspect. I think Virginia Tech got lucky. Whatever. <laughs> we'll see. Virginia Tech not on the pick ten this week. Neither is NC State. So yeah. thankfully I don't have to uh, to pick among those teams. Let's start with a game that's probably of interest to Auburn fans. Baylor playing Texas Tech. The Fighting Tubervilles. Uh, Baylor looked very strong last week. And they're fifty-five to seven victory. That's right, fifty-five to seven over Kansas. The most wow. points Baylor has ever scored <laughs> on a conference opponent. Uh, although I don't know if you can really call Kansas a conference opponent uh, at this point. I can tell you why Kansas lost that game. By the way, it's because Turner Gill, who many people wanted Auburn to hire as head coach, one of those people, Charles Barkley, uh, Turner Gill instituted a new rule at Kansas. That football players are not allowed to be in the presence of a woman anytime after 10 p.m. Ever. I don't know if that counts your mom. If you're married, I don't know if it counts your wife. 22, 23-year-old men 
Not allowed to be in the presence of women after 10 o'clock. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what Turner Gill's doing. Um, I'm just glad he's not here. That's that's this really, is, that's <laughs> stupid. That's why they lost that game. Players rebelling against that rule, I'm sure. Yeah. But whatever. Baylor kicked the crap out of them. They're playing Texas Tech this week. Texas Tech taking a tough loss to uh, Iowa State team coached by another former Auburn coach, Paul Rhodes. Uh, a lot of people in Texas Tech getting a little antsy over Tupperville right now. I read a couple things online that they're not very satisfied with him right now. Uh, I don't know. This this could be an interesting game, but I'll tell you what, Baylor, they look pretty good. Yeah, they're definitely looking nice. Um, they haven't played that great in competition. They did get pretty much shut down against TCU earlier in the year. But TCU, very good game, very good team. Yeah, like you said, the past two weeks they put over 80 well, 85, point, 85 points last two weeks with only 20 points against them. So, Rice and Kansas, they're the past two opponents. Um, I don't know. Not, definitely, I like I, I like Robert Griffin. He's he's a very good quarterback. Yeah, very uh, very fast, very shifty guy. Um, not the type of player who would usually go to Baylor, but yeah. uh, they've sort of built the offense around him, and when they lost him to an ACL last year, it pretty much ended their season. But he's back, seemingly as good as ever. Texas Tech, on the other hand, struggling on defense, struggling with their offensive identity, trying to figure out, do we really want to have the rushing game? Uh, Tuberville style, kind of as, as I predicted at the beginning of the season, if I remember correctly, Tuberville style is not really meshing with the personnel that they have right now. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, even like this, this past week against Iowa State, Texas Tech gave up 52 points to Iowa State. That's come on, you can't do that. <laughs> and those, of course, those are Gene Chizik's former players, I guess. So the the cycle just yeah. sort of deepens there for uh, all the so really, fans. But yeah. uh, <laughs> regardless, one thing you can remember about uh, Tuberville's stint here in Auburn was. Uh, those Auburn teams never seem to perform very well against mobile-type quarterbacks. And mobile-type quarterback, pretty much the exact definition of the offense that Baylor is going to run against them. I don't know. I, I hate it for Tubbs. I hate it for Texas Tech. But I think i got to take Baylor in this game. Yeah, me too. It'll. I'm calling a blowout. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if it'll be a blowout, but uh, this, this is a neutral site game, right? Yeah, it's in the Cotton Bowl. So, I don't know. I, I think Baylor's going to maybe win by one or two touchdowns, maybe even three, but I'm not so sure it'll be a blowout. We'll I'm, see. Maybe not technically a blowout, but, yeah, I'm, I'm calling three touchdowns at least. Yeah, and, and really, Baylor a team that Texas Tech should beat normally. Yeah. And Tubbs, like we said, just having some issues there. Hopefully when he can get some of the players that he wants, you see some of that start to improve for him. So we're both going to take Baylor there. This next game, pretty intriguing matchup. Uh, Michigan State, undefeated up to this point, 5-0. Coach had a heart attack after calling that crazy play against Notre Dame. They've had quite a season so far. They're expecting that their coach might be back this week. Michigan, on the other hand, uh, they've had a pretty good season as well on the shoulders of Denard Shoelace Robinson, uh, their quarterback who's basically been their entire offense thus far this year. Uh, I'm not really sure about Michigan State at this point. I think they're a good team. I mean, they beat Wisconsin 
last week, who was sort of my pick to be a sleeper national title contender, but I'm just not. I don't really know that much about Michigan State yet. Don't really know their style. Michigan, I, I pretty much know what I'm going to get with them. But both of these teams are undefeated. Pretty big rivalry game. What do you see happening here? Yeah, uh, very big rivalry game. Um, I think, you know, obviously, Denari Robinson, he's going to get his yards. He's going to get his, you know, impressive stats. But if Michigan State, I think their defense is pretty good. I mean, they held Wisconsin, who was a very good team, to only 24 points. Um, so, I think... If Michigan State can handle Denard, Denard Robinson, I think they'll come out on top in this game. Because uh, Mich- uh, Michigan, that's their only player for offense. Basically, yeah. yeah. He he is the team, like we said, with Robert Griffin and Baylor. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to go with Michigan State in this one. Plus, I like Michigan State's offense. They're very impressive against Wisconsin, who has one of the better defenses in the Big Ten. Um, and Michigan's defense... It's not good at all, I don't think. Yeah, uh, Michigan's defense has, has shown some holes, but I think a concern for Michigan also is if, if you're going to have Denard Robinson be the guy for your entire season, he's not as big as Cam Newton. I'm not so sure how much longer he can take a, a beating and running that many times in a game for the rest of the season. We've already seen him get hurt once. You have to wonder when it's going to happen again. But uh, with all that being said, I- I'm still going to take Michigan in this game. I like their home field advantage. I'm still just not entirely sold on Michigan State yet. I, I think uh, they had a nice end-of-game play there against Notre Dame, a team that's not that great. Uh, they beat Wisconsin, a team that's pretty good, but even great teams have off weeks. Uh, I-, I just don't know. I'm not sold on Michigan State yet, and I like Michigan playing at home. I like Denard Robinson. I think he's a really electric player, and... Uh, I don't know. I'm going to go with the Wolverines here. Probably going to come back to bite me, but that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm going to have to jump on the bus maybe a little early for Michigan State. So I'm going with Michigan State in this one. I just think this will be the toughest defense Michigan has to face this year, or so far this year. Yeah. And uh, I just don't think Denard Robinson can overcome that by himself. Yeah, well, we'll see how good uh, Denard is this week. Selfishly, I kind of hope that Denard doesn't have that good of a week so Cam Newton can vault yeah. him in the Heisman standings. But... <laughs> Uh, I guess I will have to root for Denard to play well so my pick will come true. But Anyways, we're going to split on that one. Brett's going to take Michigan State. I'll take Michigan. Next game we have on the list here, Pittsburgh traveling to South Bend to play the Notre Dame Golden Domers. Pitt, a team that I've been pretty disappointed with this year. I thought they were finally turning the corner. Uh, they got Deion Lewis, who was electric last year in his true freshman season. Uh, I thought they were finally putting their defense together. But Pitt really laid an egg when they played Miami a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Notre Dame, on the other hand, seems like they're improving. They beat Boston College last week, but Notre Dame's had a couple of rough patches too this year. I don't know, though. I, I still think Pitt's a pretty bad team at this point. Yeah, I think I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, I wish Deion Lewis, he would, ha- he, was have, he would have a better season this, this year. Um, yeah, it did seem like Pitt, they were going to win the Big East. I thought so, yeah. yeah. I'm, so, not sure what's going on up there in Pittsburgh. Um, but I have, to, I have to go with Notre Dame on this one. I just think Brian Kelly's offense, just a little too much to handle uh, for Pitt. And I guess their state of 
uh, football right now or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, uh, it seemed like Notre Dame has been improving a little bit every week. And yeah. Brian Kelly's a good coach. He's going to start putting that stuff together. The defense has started putting itself together. And really, Pitt, uh, Dave Wanstead, the coach of Pitt, kind of a perennial underachiever up there. Yeah. And, and in the NFL when he coached there, uh, he's had some great talent, but he just hadn't been able to get it done. So I'm going to take Notre Dame in this one. The fact they're playing at home doesn't help. You're going to take Notre Dame, too? Yep, go Notre Dame. All right, so we'll both take the same there. Um, next game on the docket here, ACC matchup. Clemson Tigers playing North Carolina. North Carolina still playing without virtually their whole defense. Uh, Clemson last week, I picked them to beat Miami. That, of course, did not happen. One of many picks I screwed up on. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, I, I think I am going to take Clemson this week against North Carolina. For the same reason, I think Tennessee may struggle some later in this year. Uh, eventually, once your depth gets down to a certain point, later in the season it just becomes difficult for you on defense. And I think North Carolina is going to run into that problem since so much of their defense is suspended. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, plus, I think Clemson, I didn't get to see the game last week against Miami just because it was an early game. I'm not sure why it was at 11 o'clock. That's that's pretty big, pretty big game to be that early. Yeah, that's plus kind of you know I was I was injured hair watching Auburn beat the crap out of ULM, so missed that game. I wish I could give a little better analysis of this game for Clemson, but uh, I guess I think Clemson's still a very good team. They'll definitely still contend for the ACC championship, and uh, I might go Clemson in this one as well. And like you said, UNC their defense. Very, very low on depth and talent right now. I think one of the things you may have to consider for the game with uh, Clemson and Miami last week, Kyle Parker, Clemson's quarterback, took a heavy licking at Auburn a week earlier. And uh, you have to wonder if he was still kind of suffering from the effects of some of that. Well, I guess, what, that was two weeks earlier. Yeah, two weeks. But still, he's still kind of suffering from the effects of some of that. You figure at this point he's probably shaking some of that off. Uh, So maybe he'll be a little bit more effective. But... I'm with you on this one. I think Clemson takes it over a UNC team that's going to start having some depth issues. Let's talk a little bit about Miami and their game this week against Florida State. Nice in-state Florida matchup. Traditionally, this would be a huge game. Florida State playing Miami, two of the traditional powers of the 90s and early 2000s. Programs sort of hit on some harder times lately, trying to work their way back up. Florida State had an opportunity to prove themselves earlier this year against Oklahoma and laid a big fat egg. Yeah. I remember I picked Florida State <laughs> in that game, and I still really haven't yeah. forgiven them for that. I did too. Uh, Miami kind of played in their big game against Ohio State earlier in the year. They didn't play so well either, but they played a little bit more respectably, and they seem like they've been coming on a little bit more since then. Uh, I'm, I'm just not sold on Florida State being able to perform in another big game like this. Yeah, Florida State's just not that great right now. Um, they still have a few more years under Jimbo to see what's going to happen. Uh, hopefully he can turn it around because I know uh, my grandmother, she lives in Tallahassee. She's a big uh, FSU fan, but hopefully, for her sake, FSU wins, but I just don't see that happening. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Miami, I think they're definitely improving each each week with starting, I think especially with the game against Pitt was a very good game for Miami. Um and uh, obviously Clemson last week, they they won in Death Valley. 
or the Death Valley 2, whatever you want to call it. Howard's Rock yeah. Band. So, uh, Miami, they played tough competition. Um, had a tough loss against Ohio State earlier. Had some good wins. They're definitely improving. Um, probably a content, they'll be a contender for the ACC as well. And uh, I just don't see FSU doing do much, doing much of anything down Miami this week. Yeah, and of course, normally we talk about home field advantage. Miami doesn't have a home field advantage. Yeah. They play at what at the Orange Bowl, and nobody ever shows up to any of their games. So that's not really a factor here. But Miami's defense is going to be a factor. They're like tenth yeah. in the country in points allowed. They're kind of under the radar, playing very well, and uh, I think they'll be able to stop Christian Ponder, Florida State's quarterback, enough to uh, to make this game happen. But I don't know. I'm still not sold on Florida State until they can perform in a big game. Maybe if they do it this week, I'll start believing in them again. But right now, not on the Jimbo train. Nope, not at all. So we're both going to take Miami in that one. Final game here, we got a Pac-10 matchup. Two teams uh, took tough losses last week. USC losing to Washington on a last-second field goal. That made me smile to see Lane Kiffin in pain. And uh, Stanford... Jumping out to an early lead over Oregon, but Oregon came back in full force to take that game back. Uh, this game, I'm, I don't know if this is even going to be close. I don't think USC is anywhere close to where it normally is. Stanford's still a very good team. I think Stanford, enjoyably for most of America's sake, is just going to beat the crap out of USC in this game. Yeah, I, I almost see exactly that happening. Um, so I guess we're kind of picking everything. The same this week, but uh, and if the shirt picks, but well, I mean, well yeah, know, but I mean, yeah, well. I definitely like Stanford in this game. They're very impressive against Oregon. Um, I just don't think they could they they couldn't ha- hang with uh, Oregon's offense just because Oregon's offense, you know, top five in the nation. Yeah, it's, you can't it's stop impressive. Them. You can yeah. contain them maybe for a while, but yeah, uh, and so I like Stanford's physicality in this one, like you said. Um, so, yeah, let's go Stanford over USC. Yeah, I think Lane Kiffin may be in for a rougher year than a lot of people may have thought, you know, the thought in USC was, well, we can't have fallen that far, but looks like they have Lane Kiffin yet again, adding to his streak of being the highest paid coach who's never done anything significant. Uh, We'll have to see what happens to him, but going to take Stanford in this game. I think they're going to take out some of that Oregon frustration on Lane Kiffin be very therapeutic for those Tennessee fans yeah. getting to watch this game. <laughs> so We'll recap uh, the Pick 10 here. Of course, we got four of the SEC games in the Pick 10 as well, and you can see uh, see the Pick 10 and make your picks on our website, watercooler2004.blogspot.com. Still got room for you if you'd like to start making your picks. Uh, you'd probably beat us. As you've seen, we've been doing terrible for the past couple of weeks, hoping to turn it around here. But uh, the SEC games we had on there, Tennessee playing at Georgia, both taking Tennessee in that one. Alabama playing at South Carolina, we're both going to take Alabama there. Arkansas and Texas A&M playing in that neutral site game, we're both going to go with the SEC and take Arkansas. Uh, LSU traveling to Gainesville, we're both taking Florida there. Um, Then we move to the non-SEC games, Baylor and Texas Tech, Unfortunately for Tubbs, we're both going to take Baylor. Michigan State playing at Michigan. Brett's going to take Michigan State. I'm going to take the Wolverines. Uh, Pitt playing at Notre Dame. Both taking Notre Dame. 
Clemson playing at North Carolina. Both taking Dabo Sweeney's Clemson club there. Florida State playing at Miami. Both going to take Miami. And finally, USC playing at Stanford. Both of us taking the Stanford Cardinal in that game. That's all we got for you here on the water cooler this week. Uh, hopefully, we'll see a nice road win from the Tigers this week. I'll be up there yeah. in Lexington cheering the Tigers on. Uh, hopefully not hearing that annoying Kentucky chant that they did here in Auburn last week. I can't remember what it was, but I'm sure I'll be able to tell, tell it to you <laughs> after this weekend. But uh, anyway, that's what we got for you on the water cooler. We'll be back next week letting you know everything that happened last week. Looking ahead to a big matchup with Arkansas. You've been listening to The Water Cooler. We'll see you next week.